0: Episode 22 of the Hibs Ramble. It's a special episode this week. It's myself, Craig, and I'm joined by Liam, Mark and Sean. How are you doing, boys? Not bad, not bad, mate. How are you? Aye, good, good. Been looking forward to this for a while. Um, awesome. We've managed to secure two of the possibly brightest prospects, not only in the under-19 setup at Hibs, but also possibly Scotland. Um, the in the world. In the world, aye. Aye, we'll go to the Leanne Dempster route uh, like what she did for the show. And <laughs> um, we've got, and thanks very much for joining us boys, we've got Ethan Laidlaw and Josh O'Connor. Lads, how you doing? No oh, bad. good. Good, good to have you on and thanks to Gav Ritu for Hibs for setting this up for us, we, we really, really appreciate it. Um, right, so we're just going to get into it boys, I've got about 10, 11 questions for you, so I'll just come to you one at a time and you can answer it. Um, Josh, seeing as you were here first and you had all your setup done on time, I'll come to you. Uh, what was your first football kit?
1: Um, I would have been a Hibs one, definitely. Um, I would say probably two thousand and five, two thousand and six Hibs. Probably about then, just after probably first born, something like that. That's up. all. That's all I can get to be honest. The one I can remember first probably would be, um, oh, which one? It was. It was a. It's a long. It's a long sleeve. The long, long sleeve hips one. The white. The white long sleeves. The original hips one. That's once the first one I can remember. So I think what one that could have been,
0: because they're pretty much all white sleeves.
1: Aye, I <laughs> it's definitely when my dad was playing though. Definitely aye.
0: Oh, so that's maybe uh, two thousand and six, maybe. Aye, aye, two thousand and six. Uh, Ethan, what about you? What was your first? What was your first football
2: kit? I'm not sure. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was a uh, Man City. I think when I went, I think I went to with my family, like on a stadium tour. I think we just went in the shop and bought a kit. I'm pretty sure it was. I think I got Balotelli forty five on the back.
0: Nice.
2: So whenever he was playing.
0: He that away. That's uh you always you, I think you can always get a good insight into folk when you can you guess what they get on the back of their shirt. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what's Josh, what's your favorite all time heads cap?
1: Um you know the one with the Krabbies on it. Yeah. Um what was
0: it? Is
1: it twenty twenty eleven, twenty twelve? Was that the dark green one? The dark, the dark green one with, uh, I think it was Puma.
0: Yeah, it was the season was after. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: or whatever that. There's that one, that one, that that one's got cool memories. That's my favorite hip I.
0: No, that's uh that's probably one of my favorites as well. To be honest, what about you, Ethan? What's your favorite hip i I
2: probably, I've actually got it in my drawer. It's like a, it's like a retro one. It's a purple one that they were selling in the hip shop. They so I bought it in the summer because I liked it and that's probably I think that's probably it's got like the collar on it I think that's probably the nicest looking one. like uh, stick,
0: green and green and purple stripes aye aye, aye. aye the collar
2: one that's, that's a
0: wee bit before your times anyway that's for sure yeah, but it's the nicest looking one I just I know, know what you'll know you'll know get many that'll disagree with you um, Josh what's your first football in memory whether it be like yourself playing or like something you've seen on the telly a game you remember going to anything like that
1: my first, my first core football memory that comes to mind was probably in Moscow. Um, uh, the Russian Cup final. That's when I started to really starting to get to know a wee bit of football when I'm a wee bit like a wee bit older, starting to understand stuff. Russian Cup final when we in Moscow when we won that. That's basically my most first core memory of football.
0: I hate to sound like I know a lot about football, but I said to the boys, literally before you joined, I bet his first memories about Russia, because you tried to work out your age
1: uh-huh.
0: in, uh, when your dad was
3: over there. So It's a no bad flex either, that being <laughs> your first core memory in Russia, winning a cup, eh? no bad. <laughs> hey, what about you, Ethan? What's your
0: first football memory?
2: Mine's just never near that exciting. Mine's is just, <laughs> just playing four, four aside, side uh, in a place in East Lovien called Aberlady in that random tournament. when I was a bit kicking about in some like purple uh F fifties like me and my twin brother and stuff. That was probably my first memory.
0: Was that the like the Fun Fours festivals you used to do on a Saturday morning? I you
2: ended up getting medals that were <laughs> <laughs> at the charity shop. I that was probably my first memories.
0: I've uh, been to plenty of them, anyway. Uh, right, here's an important one, Josh. Where were you on the twenty first of May, twenty
1: sixteen? I actually never went huh? Eh? Oh, how, I what? never went. Um, it was me, my dad, my granddad, my mum were all in my house uh, watching it on the telly. That's that's what never went because we were meant to, we were actually meant to go, but the week before the car. Like the car just blew up, the eh? oh. Car blew up, so it was still in the garage at the time. It just couldn't go at all, so I, I was I was in the house with the old man.
0: Ah, to be fair, there's a many. If I, I think a lot of us would say, if we couldn't have been at the game with us, would have rather been in the house with with family. What were you, Ethan? Where were you?
2: I was uh, probably in row C or something beside the dugout. Uh, I would my dad. Well, my dad. My dad's a ranger fan. So he I managed to persuade him to go. He actually enjoyed he actually really well don't know why he enjoyed it, but I think he just enjoyed seeing me being happy. And but I was we managed to get like really good seats somehow. We were just at the side of the hibs, just to the right hand side of the hips dugout like three or four rows from the pitch. So I mean we still in
3: row C at full time. <laughs>
2: I'm pr- I th- we were, because there was quite a few, like, uh, the bit that we were in, for, I don't know why, but there was quite a lot of, so like, I mean, I don't know what her name, I think she was like a politician, Doug, Kezia Dugdale or something was there, I could mind getting a photo of her for some reason, and stuff like that, so, but, like, the stewards, the bit that we were in, just genuinely weren't letting anyone through, even though half the stadium was on the pitch, I don't know why, but our, our we section, they weren't letting anybody on the pitch, so...
4: I take it your dad enjoyed it up until the last couple of minutes.
2: I think he enjoyed the whole, I don't, like, he's not a massive, like, skinhead union bear fan, <laughs> but he really like his family so much, but no, nah, I think he just enjoyed seeing me being like happy and loving it.
0: That's good i tell you what, it's, it's quite commendable as well even if your dad was a, was a Rangers fan that he's not only taking you but managed to enjoy it for you as well that's that's classy yeah. um, Josh, who was your childhood hero?
1: Um, I, I'd have to say my old man, definitely No, there's no really anyone else that I would rather look up to as my hero as my footballer and idol it's just him, there's no other reason anyone else should be, you know what I mean showed me everything and the top top player as well that that's pretty much it huh? simple as that
0: I know okay I, I was a bit a bit daft but I thought you might have might have stayed <laughs> in a different route as, and to be honest as somebody that grew up at the time when your dad was at Hibs I can I can certainly back you up on the top top player part what about you Ethan who was your Chelsea Tiro?
2: Uh, if I'm being honest I didn't really have one when I was like really young but I mean I've done a lot of uh like cuz obviously I was at the academy and stuff. Uh, I'd done quite a lot of like ballboying and that. So I was like so from like the first season we were in the championship till uh, I signed my like first contract when I was 16. So for like about 5 or 6 years I done that and then so like kind of just watching like Jason Cummins, I don't <laughs> know why went I just liked watching him. I just like what like how he acted and like his haircuts and some of the stuff that he used to come out with I just liked it. So if I was to say anyone, probably
0: him. Uh, to be fair, you've chosen two I don't think many Hibs fans would argue with the two that you've chosen, like. Um good good choices. Right, here's just a few a few quick cutters. Josh, football manager or FIFA? Football manager. Good. That's you've got you're on my good side anyway. What about you, Ethan, football manager or FIFA? Uh
2: I'd say FIFA. I think football manager's too thank you for me. <laughs>
0: As we've seen with the Skype. Too much gone. <laughs> <Too much> gone. <laughs> uh, right, here's a controversial one. Josh, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Ethan? Messi all day long. I bet you used to argue over whether it's sunny or raining outside, eh? I've that feeling for you already. Um, uh, Josh, what's your favourite cheat meal?
1: Uh, uh chinese what's your chinese order um chicken fried rice curry sauce chili chips um what else noodles and what what are they called again the the salt and chicken salt and, salt and shredded chicken that's the one nice that's a solid answer by the way. Uh, that is Chinese by
4: the, week. the week. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not a cheat meal for me. That's like an everyday thing, eh? <laughs> <laughs> <No>, That's lunch. <long. laughs> what about you, Ethan? What's
0: your favourite cheat meal?
2: Well, I, I don't know if you can class it as a cheat meal because I don't think it's that bad, but I think Nando's for me it's up there 100%. What's your Nando's on? I actually had one today, to be fair. So I, can, I had uh, butterfly chicken, petty chips, spicy rice side of a and four chicken thighs. What well, spice just, you, like, you go for, though?
0: Through my like, receipt history, because that is practically what I would order when I go to Nando's. Uh, what's, what's, you, your,
2: what's your spice, though? Spice, piri tamer, like the barbecue one. Oh, no. That's, That's where you've let your shell down, eh? That, that <laughs> or medium. But I think, because the medium, I, I definitely think the medium tastes any, and I think it just taste the hot well, I just get the barbecue because
4: I can taste this on <laughs> I go for it. It's a good
1: rationale
0: to be honest. Aye. Uh, decent. I can't with any of your answers so far, like it's been top tier. Uh, Josh, what's your favourite T V series?
1: Um T V series. I quite I quite like breaking bad, but I like Sons of Anarchy as well they're they, probably the men too.
5: Son's
0: Anarchy, so good. Absolutely amazing. Uh, that's that's solid choices. Uh, what about you, Ethan? What's your favourite? I'd say Peaky Blinders. I'd say, I like that. I tell you what, these are two boys of culture. Like The, the answers that you are given are absolutely tremendous. Right. Uh, right, final question. Josh, what's your guilty pleasure on your playlist? So something that would maybe raise a few eyebrows if you played it on the speaker in the dressing room
1: right i'll have a look now if you give me two seconds
0: <laughs> right ethan while he's looking what's yours
2: uh i'd probably say maybe akon michael jackson
1: akon's just a normal one i would say but
2: what? just whatever uh, there's a i i go for a wee bit of reference sometimes you can go from hard american rap to adele in the space i like the
1: no, like. place is this little baby mate come on <laughs> got- nah, I'd, say, I'd say definitely a bit of Katie Perry. Solid. Definitely.
3: Some good answers in there, I must admit.
1: Uh, right, boys.
3: What we're going to do now, we're going to move on and reflect a wee bit on the success that he's had last season. Um, romp the league in the end, I guess. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on how the league came to a close at the end of the wee segment. Um, but what I want to start off with is just to remind the listeners about just how good the season was, uh, and then we'll get fired into some questions about what I've highlighted as maybe three or four key stages of the season. So, uh, won 19 of your games, drawn six and lost two. Now, I'm not going to dig out the two players that missed the penalties in the two defeats, but to go 19 games, and I think he's only won uh, 19 games, I think he's only conceded about 19 goals in those games as well. Um, the way that you started the season as well, flying, uh, unbeaten in your first, well, unbeaten for the majority of the season but um, I'm going to touch on the first six games initially Um, won five of them, scored about 20 goals in those six games uh, and drew one now, at the start of the season uh, Gareth highlighted the quality that was throughout the squad and said that the group could go on and do something special. We now know that, that you are doing that now. Um, Ethan, a couple of things for you first, if that's all right. right. See, from a under-18, under-19 squad, obviously when you start to progress into the first team, it's more about winning is all that matters. Uh, and obviously at your age and in that team, it's more about development and things like that. What, as a club, were they looking for used as a group and individually at the start of last season what was the what was the target or what would the club deem as success
2: well I think I think that the coaches know this that's kind of, that squad well and like the players that they had in the, the sort of opponents would be up against and I think everybody was quietly confident I'd say in the players that we had so I think I think what what we what we done was no surprise to anyone. Like in and about the club. I think to the wider, people who didn't really know they would maybe look at Hibs like at the top of the league for that amount of time as a wee bit of a surprise. But I think in the club, we all kind of knew that we could do that.
3: Yeah, because a lot of that core squad had been together for a good number of years, even used to had been there for, for a good number of years together. Was there any, do you sit down as a club where your coaches, at especially at that age, and talk about individual targets?
2: I think it's 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 a wee bit hard for to do individual targets at that age because sometimes you could be here, there, and everywhere. So you, you might not be some. Like I mean, especially last season with the kind of stuff that was going on in the first team, some boys could have been with the first team for periods and missed out on game time with the teams and stuff like that. So I think personal targets kind of go out the window. I think it's just more. Is that especially, yeah, especially that team. I think it was just more about everyone doing everything for each other and stuff like that. I don't think anybody individually was too bothered about what they were doing.
3: Just more pulling together more than anything else. Um, Josh, just for the, the, the listeners that maybe didn't follow, especially at the start of the season, last season, I touched on it already. Started very, very well. Scoring goals for fun. Only conceding a couple of goals in the first six games. But six games in, you've found, already found yourself three games in hand. Um, do you want to shed a wee bit of light on how you've ended up... I mean, there's a reoccurring theme that we're going to talk about and, and it is the games in hand. And that comes to fruition at the end when we talk about how the league was won. But how that early in the season did you end up with three games in hand?
1: I think uh, there was multiple things. Sometimes we had injuries, sometimes we had... I don't know if it was just uh, coming on the start of COVID. It was that was probably the main reason with so much called off games because of COVID. Um, we had players in and out, long COVID stuff like that. But the first six games we were totally flying. Um, but I mean, out of the first games we never probably had a full team at the time. Our coaches were obviously Eddie May and Gareth as well. Yeah. Steve Steve wasn't there at the time. Um, but. The confidence in the squad, as Ethan said earlier, like that squad's been together for a good four, five, six, seven years. And the the year before that, we actually came second in the league, like two points off Rangers, um, which is the Rangers B team now. But I think it was mostly COVID that Mm. we had all the games in hand and injuries.
3: I'm glad you actually touched on um, Steve Keane. You must have been looking at my notes before we came on because that's what I was going to move on to next. Steve joined in in November um, and he was very he was very passionate about the youth set up, the club as a whole, big name in football, um, to come in and, and do the job that he's doing. Now, he are still unbeaten at that time and we'll obviously talk about when the unbeaten run comes to an end when we get to that bit, but he has not been shy in mentioning that he wants Hibs to be the best academy in Scotland. So, at the point when he came in, he were still flying. Um, and if we fast forward a couple of weeks into, into December, he's had, a, am going to say, a heated game against Motherwell, the 4 all game. Don't know if you remember it. Um, There's a lot going on in that game from what I can remember as well. I remember reading the article at the time. But at that point, he were, I think it was maybe 11 points adrift the Rangers. We were top of the league. You had about seven games in hand as well. See at that point towards the end of the season when you've got so not only so many games in hand and linking it into when, when Steve came in and saying that he wants the academy to be the best in Scotland. What, um, what did the team think about that kind of appointment and did he just basically carry on what Gareth and Eddie were already doing um, or was it more of a... I don't want to say he was trying to change things for the sake of changing things, but his influence and the knowledge that he's got, what, what did he bring to, to the squad and the academy at that point?
1: Steve brung so much experience to the team. It's, it's unbelievable because he's, he's managed at the highest possible level you can, as in the Premier League. Um, he's managed some of the best players in the world, you know, and... We all knew who he was when he first came in, and we were all buzzing because we we're already a good squad. And we were just like, "How better can we get with this, with this coach that has been at the highest level possible?" And we were we were already flying, but we we're just buzzing to keep keep going and keep uh, keep getting points. But as you said, we had so many games in hand, but it was just the point we just had to keep relaxing, keep keep doing our job, and just trying to get most points on the table as we could even though we had that much games in hand. Because at the time, Rangers were winning, we were winning, Rangers were winning, we were winning, and it was just going back and forward. Then there was one point where we were just playing three games a week. It was getting about outrageous, but we, we, we did pull through.
3: What, Nathan, um, towards the end of the year, when you find yourself kind of, do you find yourself, even at that league, find, find yourself looking at the table and playing, feel like you're playing catch-up and stuff like that? Because... I mean the way that you were playing it, that certainly didn't come across that way. Um you went and beat hearts four one towards the end of the year as well. Um having someone like Steve Keane in there, does that kinda of readjust your focus to concentrate on the bigger goal? Um and, and did he can you try and push you individually? And if so, did you see a change collectively and individually from him coming in? At
2: the start it was I'd, I would say it was quite similar when this came in. He, he, he kind of just sat off and kind of like watched the first few games just to see like what we were all about and like w- what type of players we had in the team. And he kind of just like Gareth, uh, kind of do all the coaching and then he'd do little bits in training. They'd take away possession drill or something that we've not done before. And he just like, he just kind of slowly like, Came in with his ideas. We didn't. I, I I would I'd be lying if I said we changed a lot, kind of the way we played, the formations we played. But he just kind of, he kind of had this very similar idea to what like Gareth had, or I don't think he would have probably like maybe took the job just like for the fact that he wouldn't want to come in and try and change the whole club, the whole way we played, but. Especially because of how successful we had been the first half of the season, I think it would have been silly to try and change things. So, but he's like, he's really he's been really good. uh coming in. Obviously, he's got bags of knowledge, and he and he knows what he's talking about. And like, he's a good person as well on a, on that level. He's a good like he's a good coach, but he's also like a good person, and he he tells you how it is. Especially like when you come up through the academy. sometimes you've had the same coaches they try they still treat you a wee bit like you're a young boy whereas we've met him when like some boys were 17 18 so and he treats us as treats us as men and treats us as like as we would be if we were first team players and he just speak, it, it speaks
3: very well and i think we can all everyone on this call can probably agree that we can see even a an improvement from not just the squad, but from a coaching perspective as well, to take you guys as a group to the, the next levels and where you're at just now. Um, I'm going to fast forward a wee bit into kind of February, March time. Um, I quickly, I'm quickly going to touch on, uh, Ethan, we beat Rangers 4-2. Uh, you scored two of the goals, and after the game you came out and said that you um, were quietly confident about us staying unbeaten. The rest of the season. Do you remember that comment just before? Absolutely. we went back. <laughs> um right. And then we went into went into March. Don't worry, I'm not trying to dig you for the comment. Don't you worry. I'm, that's not where I'm going with it. We um, move into March. Unfortunately, we get beat by Rangers in the in the League Cup, and that came off the back of a six or seven game win as well. Um, at any point throughout that two month period, especially after the, the the defeat in the cup. Um, was there, did you see a change in in mood or atmosphere or anything like that, a change in performances a drop off at all Um, the reason I ask is obviously straight after the the Rangers defeat he's going to beat a a team like Celtic Um, 2-1 but you still find yourself playing catch up with games in hand so just talk me through how those two months were and maybe how vital they were in in regards to the end goal and, and the mood and the
2: changing room at that point at that point uh, well to touch on that i mean that rangers game the semi-final it was i think we'd i think we, we, we changed the way that we played a wee bit that game i think we were a wee bit more cautious and i think we paid a wee bit too much respect i'd say in that game and it kind of came back to bite us because we just i mean we were, i think as a team i think everybody we all know that we're better when we get into people's faces and really make a game of it. And I think that game, we just kind of waited for something to happen. And then once it did end up happening, they just, everything that they touched felt like it just went in. So that game was whatever. I mean, everybody was gutted because, I mean, there would have been a chance to play against Hearts at Hamden in a cup final where I think we would have all been confident of winning. But it is what it is. And then I think after it, I think the amount of games we were playing, I think it was always going to be tough to keep grinding out big results against decent decent teams. So I think there was a few times where we we slipped up a wee bit, but I think overall it was there was no major results. It might have been the odd goal or or something like that that decided games, but I think our performances were like really consistent, and I think we played well and. Pretty much every game.
3: Yeah, um, and then that obviously takes us to unfortunately the the first league defeat because that was at the 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 end of March. Now I'm not going to obviously talk about that at all. We'll just completely brush past that. No one wants to talk about that. But see, when you go through such a long period of time, and it's a question for both of you. I'll Ethan. I'll let you fire in first. When you go through such a long period of time of being unbeaten, do you find yourself getting into a routine of having to do certain things in a certain way and? Whether it was just during that unbeaten run or whether it's still now, do either of these have any match day routines that you try and stick to, superstition stuff like that?
2: Uh, well, last year I think I mean pretty much every game we played at night time, so either it'd be a Tuesday or a Friday night. So I think most days I'd wake up quite late. I think normally just because I hate I, I hate the long wait. Because obviously you don't, but we don't go to school or whatever, or have anything between us waking up and playing. So I is that think,
3: duty nerves or is that just to try and kill some of the day?
2: No, I just I just like to kill some of the day because really, all my main thought is is the game at night time. And so you can't really, if you've got a game at night, there's not a lot you can. You really want to be doing. Don't want to be getting up to too much. So just kind of get up, have something to eat. Uh, Normally take a wee walk to the shop and stuff. Maybe get a like a look as a Red pool on sign for the game at, later at night.
3: Did you and, find some of that stuff that routine becoming super like superstitions or anything like that, or was it just a case of just try to keep your routine the same because that that was what was working?
2: Superstitions or anything like that. I don't really think about anything too much. It's just what I, just what I'd get up to really.
3: Just back, back, backing your own ability more than anything else. Hey, eh? Josh, what, what about you? You got I'm, any superstitions? or very similar to Ethan. Just,
1: I'm more or less the same. Um, because obviously the games were later as well. Um, just trying to kill as much as the day you can for the build up, because the build up's long. It's like half seven, quarter to eight kickoffs. Just trying to keep going with your day until obviously the game eventually comes. You go to HDC, you get ready. That's when stuff starts to build up a little bit quicker but i, I was the same not, didn't even didn't even do much um like i've maybe got one one position now as my shin pads but that's about it what
3: what about is it putting them on a certain way or is it having the,
1: a certain pair or what it's so i make a new pair every game right okay so it's uh it's a wee bit Cup, of foam the board, the Cupboard full of somewhere nah it's not even shrimp it's like a it's like a tiny bit of foam um, physio gives us bit, let's make a new new ones every game. That's pretty much that's pretty much it.
3: See um just we'll quickly touch on that and run with you uh, before we move on to the next kind of section of that season. Um Ethan mentioned it as well about the performances were there, but it's only natural for um the, the, the level to maybe drop off a wee bit. And you could see that with your wins were the the victories that you were getting were maybe only by the odd goal, a couple of goals here or there. You were getting big wins against the teams that were lower down in the league, but when you're playing so many games in a short period of time, how do you find yourself trying to stay motivated, or is it a bit more of the adrenaline and it's more about can you try try to stay confident, especially after those big defeats against well, not big defeats, but you know mentally a big defeat against Rangers and then the the one against Hearts.
1: I think we knew as a team we've came so far that we were so capable of doing it. But it was just the schedule of having two games a week for six weeks. We had the occasional knocks of players. We had uh, the fatigue. You can probably imagine playing two games every week. Um,
3: I mean, I play one game but, of five for half an hour. That's me done for about two days. So I can't can, I yeah. to imagine.
1: I, well, near the end of the season, and well, near the end of March, uh, uh, my season ended early yeah. um, because of the games, you know, my body couldn't handle it. And, and it just came to the point where my foot just, just went and that, that's what happened to me. And it was bound to happen to someone. And I was an unlucky one, but you know, that's, that's what happens when you have two games a week and you've got so much games to, to play in a small space, of, such a small space of time. And it was just, but that, nothing really you could do though.
3: Yeah. um, Well, quite just before we move on towards the, the end of the season, um, and obviously talk about the actual league victory and how all that came about. There was obviously during the the March there was a shortage in the in the first team. I uh, had a lot of injuries and stuff like that. Um Ethan, you found yourself on the bench. I think it was at the way to Dundee. Um, Josh, you were in the squad for a couple of weeks as well. Um Ethan, I know you had been on the bench for the Dundee United semi-final the year previous and they'd been in previous squads, but concentrating on kind of this season as well. Um Ethan, I'll get you to fire in with this one first. See, when you've got so many games going on in what is an elite league, and then you you find yourself maybe training with the first team as well, or being involved in in those matchday squads or in and around that. Um, talk me through how that works from a from a day to day perspective, and how you find out how's how's training. Are you still involved with the Teams, what's that process
2: like? Uh, well, last season, obviously, there was. I think we changed manager twice, obviously, with Jack Ross and then Sean Maloney. Uh, Jack, Jack Ross was more. Uh, kind of, you'd have lot of, like longer spells, I'd say. You'd kind of be in for maybe a week or two weeks. And then Sean Maloney was more, I think. Just whenever, wherever, like he needed a few players, they'd just go over, which is kind of similar to what it's like now. I'd say because obviously I think the first team have got a good, like quite a good few numbers now, so it's quite rare for anyone to be in any sort of squad for a good period of time now. But yeah, last right, last season, last season was quite tough, especially for the team. Is like if they needed to take out, uh, like two Or three players of the 18s because uh, I, I can remember that Dundee game. I think it was me, Murray, and I think there were three on the bench
3: because it was a depleted first team. Uh, eye.
2: Uh, there, it were, was. There, there was an 18s game across the road that kind of <coughs> that, that we kind of had our eye on as well. That we kind of so it was like we, we obviously wanted to be involved in the first team, but then we also kind of had our eye on winning the league because at the end of the day we'd worked so long and so hard for a full year to like win, win that league. So it was it was important to us, but like obviously getting into like being in first team squads and stuff, it's a good learning curve, especially that game, that that Dundee away game where I was involved in where we got embarrassed, I'd say.
3: Ah, you're not wrong. You're no wrong. We um, got
2: relegated. Really
3: the less the less said about the performance that day, probably the better, right? Eh? But, um, Josh, what about your experience with match matchday squads? We'll obviously touch on the Aberdeen game in a sec, but you were on, you were on the bench for a couple of games before that. I remember you being on the bench for Motherwell away because there was a group of us behind the goal when we were warming up we were kind of shouting on you, shouting all sorts at you. I don't know if you remember that. Um, there was a game at home as well, and then obviously leading up to. The Aberdeen game with with you being involved with which was those three games prior to you being injured. What, where was your mindset? Obviously, you want to be on the park for the first team, and that's a goal for you. But like Ethan just alluded to, um, you've got this target with the 19. So, how did you find juggling the the squad like bouncing between the squads?
1: I, I personally, I found it all right to be honest. Um, because it wasn't always just one of us, it was always one, two, three of us uh, at, at the time, maybe in these squads, but um, lead, leading up to the matches, even being in the match day squads, I absolutely loved it. I just wanted to get on as soon as possible, go express myself, do as much as I can to obviously help the team, and even just to be involved, I was I was obviously buzzing, but jiggling it about, it was more or less all right. you know. It was just like you're going from one team to another, which you are, but... It was all right, to be honest. I. You not... weren't,
3: obviously your injury happened no long after that. Were were you feeling anything at that point, or was it maybe adrenaline that was getting you through all the games and all the matchday squads? Or how were you feeling?
1: I was, I was in tip top shape at the fight uh, at, at the time. I never really felt anything. It was kind of a, obviously it was a big down when it happened. But I just it was just one of those things where it happens and you can do nothing about. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a complete freak accident, accident, and how it happened. So we'll, we'll we'll get on to, to to that
3: Aberdeen game for you now. Um, massive, massive moment for you, your family, even the club as well. At um, what? It, obviously, you'd been involved in the squads before. You must have been itching to get on. I could see it there, the Motherwell game. You were itching to get on for that one. It happened in the Motherwell one. Um, prior to going on, what kind of words of wisdom did you get? Whether it be for players or or the manager, what what was the instructions or that you were told prior to going on?
1: So at first, like, like 10 minutes before I came on, I was going told to warm up just normally, just like go warm up, do it, hang. Then I think it was, I don't know, I don't know. It was like two, three minutes before the penalty happened uh, with, with Porto and um, Doji and uh, Paul came running across and they said, me, you, uh, obviously me, Paul and Doji are all going to go on. And um, Paul was like, the gaffer wants you to play left mid uh, behind Doigie. Um He just wants you to get in the ball and run it, players. Just run. Just running behind, run it, players. as um, much as you can, your arse off. And that, that's what he wants for you. I was like, right, right, that's fine. And that, that's more or less what happened. Then, obviously, the gaffer at the time, Sean, they um, said exactly the same thing. Uh, just reassuring me. Just, you'll be fine. Just get in the ball. Be confident. Do what you've been doing all season. And... That that was pretty much it. See, um,
3: despite the result, which obviously for the first team at that time it was quite detrimental and I mean Aberdeen always difficult as we've seen previously like the other week there. Despite the result, which obviously you as a Hibs fan being on the pitch, you still would have obviously been frustrated with that. But how did you feel on, on that journey home after you know, ultimately making like, your debut?
1: On on top of the world, honestly. Just all the feelings going through it, like eventually all This hard work leading up to kind of that moment just to step on the pitch as a Hibs player, um, like to make my debut it was just oh, the feeling was like no other. This that you can't explain it, it was that it was that good, but then then again, you've got that you've got to concentrate on the game, you can't start looking at stuff, you can't not concentrate at the time, but um, uh, on top of the world, honestly, it was unbelievable.
3: Was it a, was it a case of having that moment? On the way home the day after maybe and then it was a case of getting your focus again for basically what was the push towards the end of the season?
1: Uh, pretty much, yeah. On the way back and the day before, I was just like, wow. Then eventually, right, gotta keep on going. I want more of this. I, I want more of that feeling, I want more of that feel of maybe scoring a goal at at places like Easter Road at Petodrey. I want more of that. Um so that, that that's kind of what I wanted. Uh, four or five days after that.
3: Mm. Uh, moving into the, the the end of the, the end of the season, um, you went again another another win and run four wins with five in April. Missed the chance to go top, but you still had five games in hand at that point. And then moving into to May, which ultimately where the season came to t- came to an end. You I think the last game was against Hearts, draw one all. I'm sure it was, um, and at that point. Use were still had about five games in hand, four or five games in hand at that point. Um, Ethan, do you want to just elaborate on kind of not only when you found out that that was the league one? For those that don't actually know how it was decided or or how it came about, just kind of explain a wee bit more how how the de- the decision was made and potentially maybe why, if if Hughes as a club got a reason why.
2: Uh. To be honest, I wasn't actually at the training centre at the time. I was away with my So I was in Israel just literally just texting boys asking what's happening. Because obviously a few of them had been saying like the like the league had been finished or Rangers Rangers, I mean Rangers were trying to get us to get them games played. And then, so they weren't happy about it by then. I think it just, the, the, everybody just went to the SFA, and the SFA. SFA just decided to do it on it was points per game yeah. ratio, yeah, which, well, which saw us win the league. Because the the, f-
3: the Harps game was at the end of May, weren't it? And you still had five games to go. Um, no surprise Rangers were wanting to get used to play those games, but realistically, you were never chucking that league. Do you know what I mean? You needed four points for five games to win the league. Um, yeah. Obviously a recurring theme throughout that season was you being away with the seventeens. Um dare I dare I even say it, obviously I've won the league, but is that maybe an ideal way to, to win it? Josh, where where were you when you found out it was hundred percent that he's had won the league?
1: I don't I don't think we're in the changer. I think we're just everyone was just in the house. Uh I think a text got put in the group chat, uh in the WhatsApp saying, uh, congratulations boys, that's it over. Um SFA has dealt with it. You've won the league on points per game, and everyone was just congratulating each other. Then I think the next day, the next morning, or no, actually, I think I think it was we found out when we were on holiday in summer, like just so we finished, and I think the text came in four or five days after we were, after we were finished. So tell like me, there it? was no there
3: was no get together, there was no. Nothing yeah. like that. Any big face, face, uh, FaceTime group? that. just I a
1: group chat, and that was it. I think it was just in the group chat. There was no big get together. There was nothing really, to be honest. I think because everyone was doing their own thing at the time, because it was like summer. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that was about it. Sounds boring, like, but that <laughs> that was about it. How? Uh, last question
3: for it's a kind of a double barrel question, but I'll go the first part of it first for both of you. Is how how did you celebrate when you did finally find out? Because obviously. Naturally, you'd want to be on the park, you'd want that kind of that feeling as a group, all these together, and then you can you know, celebrate together. But if you're all the way doing your own thing, what what did you do to we, to
1: celebrate? Nothing. <laughs> nah, nah, that's, nah. A, that's a life of a footballer, eh? We never, Straight we never up got, the next target. We never got medals, we never got a trophy, we got nothing.
3: No medals? Oh, that's my no last medals, question. On, then. No, Ethan, no, what were you?
2: No, How did no, you find no, out? Or what did uh, you do to celebrate? To celebrate I mean I think I'd probably just stick a few things on the Instagram story just to let everyone can get up get it round a I few can't people. believe that's
3: no medals at all that's my last question Gubbard I was going to ask you where your medals were um Aye. is there any obviously because it's such a successful season I'll, I'll change my last question so is there any kind of memento or or shot or anything like that that you have kept from that season obviously Josh you've got your debut but to win the league, even in an elite under 18s league, is pretty special. Did you keep any of the
1: shirts for that season or that? Hib still use them. <laughs> I
2: don't
1: think so. Ethan, I'm, I'm sure Hib still used them.
2: <laughs> oh my uh, I think I
1: that
2: I, I, I think I played a game with the 18s against Rangers a few weeks ago. I think we used <laughs> the
3: Obviously, Ethan, you've got, you've got one behind you as well. Josh, what did you do with your Aberdeen one? Um that's
1: that's framed. The place that's, in the living room. Yeah, that's. No, no, I've got, theory, Dad. Yeah, I've got my home one and my debut one next to each other with the boots underneath it. Brilliant.
4: Well, yeah. Brilliant. Well, yeah. well, listen, from uh, success in one league to success uh, in another kind of league, it's going to be some party when you win the UEFA Youth League, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're you're gonna need to make up for no having a no having a party when you're winning your your actual league, but yeah, um, oh mate, and we're invited as well, eh? That, I'm I'm sure you said <laughs> that before we started recording. No, <laughs>
1: um.
4: But no, listen. Um, obviously, it got off on a you know, not a great start when he's got a beat against Moulder. But I want to talk about Easter Road, and I want to know what it was like to walk out onto the pitch, under the lights, Easter Road, with that crowd backing
1: you. I mean, just talk me through your emotions, Josh. The emotions, like, so we are, we actually arrived at Easter Road about four-ish, and the build-up was so long. Then it was getting getting ready, getting ready for the warm-up. Yeah, I was walking, uh, seeing the fans coming in, and you're like, oh, this is, this is really happening. Then the walk-out, this, the, 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 the nerves were flowing, like, but... And nerves also got a bit better when we were playing. But then you've got the block seven lads singing your names and mm. sing, singing all the boys' names. That was just um, what a feeling. And going one lap, going one lap so early helped us so much as well. It was just such a good team performance. But honestly, that that feeling was just unbelievable. Like especially to walk out and that was my first time playing on Easter Road as well. Yeah, that's
4: amazing, Ethan. What was it like when you go out and you see all the flags of the block seven and you know the big banner and stuff and everyone's jumping about, saying your name? Like, can you sum up like how you felt like when you walked out and you and you saw it and you, you turned around and you saw everyone obviously in the West Stand and that? How did you feel? Yeah.
2: So, so good, it It's class, especially like obviously that, that was I was pretty much except for the boys that played the St Johnson on that last game. I mean, that was all a like, first time being on the pitch and like properly like, in front of a decent, like, decent crowd, and and it was only, what, three, three and a half thousand in a 20,000-seater stadium, but it felt like so much more, and then the guys playing the goal, they didn't they just, they weren't they singing and doing the drum and that for, like, wee five-minute spells, it was constant through the game, and especially, obviously, big, it's a bigger pitch, and it, when the boys are getting tired, it just gives you that extra wee, 5-10% to keep going and then we ended up getting a goal the six sixty sort of minute and then obviously end up conceding but I mean for the penalties I think it helped put a few well one of their players off at least <laughs>
1: well,
4: That's what I was going to move on to um, how did because obviously you wouldn't have had any crowds like that at any of the, the dev games the season before so how, how much did they did Block 7 in particular spur you on, you know, and then especially when you get to the latter stages of the game and it's extra time and penalties, how aware of you are, the, how aware of them are you on the
1: pitch? I'd say all the time, yeah. all the time. We,
4: were you a bit buzzing yeah. when they I, were I singing like your name?
1: Definitely, like even even all the boys after the game, we were like, "Did that? did that really happen? Well, these fans singing our name like a we that's a feeling like that's like the first test we've really got that sort of side of football that we've not had yet fans singing your name stuff like that it's like especially for us young boys we just absolutely loved it
4: ethan did you did it give you that extra five ten percent to keep going
2: Like, uh, no i definitely did i mean even at the start of the game when you're walking out you just like obviously i, I never played the first leg i was I got left at home I was injured so I was a wee bit comprehensive of like what kind of quality we were coming up against so I was first five ten minutes I was a wee bit on edge and because uh, I was playing out of position as well so I was kind of I was I was playing quite safe but I mean after it after you realised I mean they were good they were a decent good team like but I felt that if we came out the box so quick and like every, everybody was on there. Everybody played their best game. I'd say I've seen that game. So it just gives you, especially the last stage. I mean, I got cramped at the second goal. I was 67 minute, and I managed to play the full game. So it just shows you what a wee bit extra can give you.
4: Exactly. And Josh, how did it compare a home crowd? And it's not first team, of course, but it was. It was a. Quite a big crowd. How does that compare to, you know, what you experienced at Petardre?
1: Petardre was quite scary because there was obviously it's an away game and it's Petardre. You're right up close as well, right up close to the fans. Um, Where well, at Easter Road, obviously the fans are always going to motivate you, and you know what I mean. They they kind of know you a bit more, whereas Pataudry, like no one knew you. Who's this? who's this wee guy that's on the pitch? This let's, let, let's get him, give a wee a dig, couple of digs at him. Maybe they see the name on back of the shot and they go, Right, this show him a wee bit more, you know what I mean? Um but aye, the feeling the fe- feeling that used to erode was just surreal, just honestly surreal, and I hope I hope hope there's more to come, definitely.
4: Yeah. Did you get anything for the Aberdeen fans Were they getting oh, you aye, aye, Do you remember
1: what they were saying to you? Just just you can just imagine, just off sorts, awesome, yeah. Uh, this, that, uh, whatever, you know what I mean, who cares, yeah. I was just, just trying to focus as much on the game as I could, there. Eh? Quite right, I don't think I'd be able to focus on a game, eh,
4: focus on that, <laughs> probably go and try, go, go, go back down the tunnel, but no, nah, that's me, eh, um, worry
5: about that McLean though, anyway. Uh,
4: absolutely not, listen, my playing days are long gone, eh, <laughs> <laughs> that ship has sailed, <laughs> Um, obviously after, after the penalty shootout. It's a high-pressure situation, lads, and the celebrations with Block Seven. I wasn't there that night, but I've seen the videos, and the, the celebrations with Block Seven they, they did look class. And you all went right over to them. What what was it? What was it like to celebrate with them? Because I, I would imagine that it felt like you were all in it together.
2: Oh, it was good. Like it was just uh It was more just the fact that it was kind of a relief. More than anything, I think everybody was just—I we knew we knew before the game that we could do it, and it was just another thing doing it. And I think when Oscar somehow—I don't know how—but somehow when that ball went in, I don't know what they bullied doing, but somehow when that ball went in, I think it was just everybody was just so relieved. And then obviously you had them behind the goal, and Oscars went and jumped in. So you're like, can he can he can he leave him himself? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just class.
4: I did look it class. I mean. You, like all the pictures and that and the, it's brilliant, we all dancing about with a megaphone and all that. I mean it just looked like it's you know it just was the cherry on the ice and on the cake, you know, not only going through going through with a good performance but celebrating with with them as well. I would imagine that some of your pals are in there as well, are they? Oh, yeah, so that would have been class. Celebrating with your mates at Easter Road after winning a penalty shootout. Um on the on the mould and, and the nonce teams, how I was at the nonce game and it seemed to me like they were a, a really, really good side if they had someone who could put the ball in the back of the net. How how did they compare to like the Rangers and Celtic and Hearts that you faced last season? Was it were they a lot better, were they streets ahead, or was it a different kinda quality?
1: I think the best team we played was the the nonce. The nonce were levels above, I'd say pretty much everyone we've played. At uh, kinda Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, I'd I'd say they were probably the best side that we have played. But as they you go and say again, we're such a good side of what we do. We we win games. Um we stay as a team, we stay in our structure, and we're probably one of the best counter-attacking teams. In this way for youth league, if you look at us, our counter attacks, honestly, they're quite frightening. The the way that's but that's the way we play, but I would say nonce were top notch. But I agree, I totally agree on what you're saying. If they had a number nine that could stick the ball in the back of the net, could have been a much different story.
4: If they had a wee friend, Josh O'Connor, is that what you're trying to tell me? And <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Ethan, did you find that as well? Did you find that the the quality is streets ahead of what you were playing last season?
2: I'd say, I'd say so. I I think definitely. def I think even defensively structured wise, I think Celtic and Rangers when you play them, 18s they kind of they don't have another way of playing. For like they, their coaches bang on about how they play and that set like they've no they've not got another kind of way of playing. Whereas we can go. We can play high press. We can play counter attack. We can play like part of the bus if that's really what you want to call it. We can, yeah, we, we can do all of that. Whereas these teams that we have played don't have that, and I think that's mm-hmm. probably why we're here talking about it. Just the fact that we can, we've got loads of players that can play different positions. Players who are happy enough to do a job. Maybe it's not their first position, but they're happy enough to do a job there. Whereas maybe these lads who are getting paid thousands of pounds a week might just throw the dummy at the pram and know what to do for their, for their team but I think whereas we we just want to win and just get as far as far in the tournament as possible
4: Yeah exactly and you you put yourself into a really good position in the first leg um, you've got a penalty right at the start of the second half Ethan you stepped up to take it what were your nerves like?
2: I, was, I mean obviously because I it was. I had a wee bit of déjà vu. I mean, I was I felt like I, I, I was there doing it two or three weeks earlier, but, obviously in the penalty, sure, but I in a penalty shoot. But I knew. I knew when I was putting it. I knew my spot, and I, I was all I was thinking about was what the celebration I was going to do after that. <laughs> and, and that was about it. The
4: celebration was good to be fair. I mean, what you, you just ran over a block seven and stood with your arms out, Jason Cummins Right. Aye, love Jason that. Com- was that um, was that a different kind of pressure that penalty than your penalty in the shootout?
2: I it was it was there was more, I would say there was more pressure. I don't know actually. I mean I think they were they were all because obviously the, the first the first one everybody's like it was our, our first experience of it, and then the the second one's like if I, if you can put this in now and you can give us a lead going over there. He puts us in a like totally different position to where if it was nil-nil, then we might have to chase the game a bit more. So I think just the the main job was just to put it in, and I done it, and then it yeah. gave us it gave us something to build on and something to hold on to in the next leg. Where I think it genuinely helped us because I mean, when if we don't go one-nil up, they they, they obviously went one 0 up over there, and then yeah. we have to we have to end up chasing the game. Whereas it was only one-one. So we could kind of just stay the same, same game plan, and just, and we obviously managed to get a goal. Yeah, exactly.
4: Could you could you sum up in just one word like how it felt when the ball hits the back of the net and blocks seven behind the behind the goal goes absolutely rad.
2: Relief, I'd say relief, relief really. Aye, uh, because like I mean, I I think if if you miss, it, I mean, you should maybe. But I felt like if you miss a pen there, I feel like you're going to struggle for the rest. I feel like the rest of the game is going to be a struggle, oh, yeah. conf- confidence-wise, and the fact that you would know you've let—well, no, no, so let the team down, but I mean, that's your job. That's your job to put it in, and if you if you're not going to put the ball in the back of the net from the penalty spot, then you, you feel you'll feel a wee bit like you've let your team down a wee bit.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you've managed to get over the line for the the first leg. Um, did did you feel going into the second leg that yous that yous were confident enough to go there and and beat them there as well, or was there a little bit of doubt in your mind given how how good that you've said that they were? Was there was there any doubt in your mind at all, Josh?
1: Um, not really. I think as a team we're just so confident. Obviously, there might be a bit like, oh, we're going over there, obviously, to France, and they're such a big team. Um, but we prepared really well. We went on the Monday, and the game on, was on the Wednesday. So we travelled on the Monday, trained on the Tuesday, game on the Wednesday. So we prepared perfectly for the game. Um, and we were just all confident, confident in our, all our abilities, uh, confident in the team, confident in the coaches, confident in... In our playstyle, that we could go and win, and obviously, that's what we done. We went, we went and played our game perfectly. And the game plan was nothing, nothing better we could have done. We could have done it any more perfectly. Exactly. And
4: you're talking about that counter-attacking style as well. I mean, you finished off the, the equaliser, um, and I, I watched it again today, and the, the speed of going from defence to attack, is it's just it's something else. And did you always know that you were going to be able to get on the end it? Because it kind of went through a couple of wee different phases before it ended yeah. up at you.
1: I was, I, I like, if we're going on, Muz, we Muz takes a like a terrible touch, but <laughs> the thing is, the terrible touch actually drags in the defenders, which pulls them away from me, and it leaves obviously the pass to Eft, and he squares it, and I, I put it in the net. But um, at the time, it was a three v two, so I'm like, right, we've kind of, we've kind of got to score this and obviously we do and to get that goal that put us right in the game and that's when they kind of knew like we are we're going to have to do something to beat these lads
4: yeah were you thinking about your celebration before
1: you'd even hit the ball as well i was just trying to focus on my first touch when <laughs> I passed past it i was like right first touch bang right now now just go and celebrate
4: <laughs> brilliant and then obviously rudy gets the winner um towards the towards the end on the second half anyway and then you know we've only seen we've only seen pictures and a little bit of video. But it looked like we Oscar McIntyre was giving it the giving it the big three one to the the people that were there
1: supporting nonce. Can you get what what was going on there? The the end of the game was scenes. So you can see bits and bobs in the in in the video but we were just getting dogs abuse there. Eh? We were getting abuse for the fans for the for the French fans. Um Getting booed, like they were de- like Even su- someone got spat on, like God. stuff like that. you wouldn't believe it. Um, we were just cause then we we were just trying to stick up them as much as possible because they were they were starting to get really dirty, um, starting to do little things that we never liked, and somehow managed to get we mud sent off as well. Which uh, guy guy got sent off for nothing as well, but. Um, we at the end we all went up to them giving it the free one giving it the ways giving it giving it all sorts even 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 some of the coaches got involved as well which was a good laugh but uh it was quality like
4: was it good Ethan, did you did you uh, get up them
2: i know uh, i i would say i did I said, i was a wee bit cautious like because i mean <laughs> they were a wee bit He's french are rad you know The 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 were I'll, I'll say that they were. I mean, like, they, big
1: big Daza was there to say, say about them. Uh. Was always, like, <laughs>
2: totally. You can and hide behind all, him. Right. We're off the, the the end of the stand and that, trying to like throw stuff and like spit on us. And it was, it, was, it was a wee bit it was a wee bit surreal, but I mean, at the time you you were just enjoying it. From the highs Easter the Road day to the
4: to <laughs> getting abused in French. At least you wouldn't have been able to understand what they were saying, eh? Well, unless you speak French. Uh, uh, (laughs) Well, look ahead to the next round. Um, In February, you are playing Dortmund. I can imagine that when you looked at the draw before it was done and the teams that are there, Borussia Dortmund is probably one of the teams that either you really want to come out and uh, be matched up with Hibs or one of the teams that you really, really want to avoid. What was it for you, Ethan?
2: I'd say I really wanted them. I, I think that that was one of the things I wanted out of anyone because my dad's my dad's got a wee soft spot for them. I think he's been over a few times to watch them. So I just wanted to play them. But I mean, there wasn't no really. I mean, you could maybe look at or who was it Shakhtar and Strasbourg is one of the smaller ones. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're the, the point where we are at, if you're going to get far, you're going to have to play the best teams anyway, so might as well bring
1: them on. Exactly. Josh, what was your thoughts when uh, Dortmund were pulled out of the hat for Hibs? Um, buzzing, to be honest. To play someone like Dortmund, who have some of the best youngsters in the world right now, and probably make the, the best youngsters in the world, to play that type of quality, it's just going to be Unbelievable, and to show off the whole team against this type of quality team, Borussia Dortmund is going to be—it's going to be a top, top, top class game, and just this can't wait. Do you know much about their uh, Borussia Dortmund's youth team? Um, I've, I've done—I've done a wee bit. Like, I, I know a couple of them because I do—I do play football manager quite often. To be fair, <laughs> so I know—I know a couple of them, um, but. I did I did watch their game versus Man City um, and a couple of other teams that have played, but that, that's about it for me, to be
4: honest. Yeah, I mean, we're looking ahead to it. I mean, it's a one-legged playoff at Easter Road. It's a very, very good chance. I mean, despite how good Borussia Dortmund are, you've surely, you've both got to be backing yourselves to go through, given how we played against Mulder and Nonce at Easter Road.
2: I definitely I'd i I'd say I mean if we can match those two performances on a one off game, not having to think about going over a week later to play them in Dortmund, I think just playing them in the one game and just putting everything into just one ninety minutes. There's no no reason why we can't go and beat them.
4: Exactly. I'd be nice if you had a return leg as well. I don't know if it would have been played at um at Dortmund's actual stadium. The name escapes me. I'm sure Sean will probably be able to jump in and tell me what the name is.
3: I could, but I'm not going to butcher the pronunciation of it. Maybe, maybe Craig, you used you look like you'll get the pronunciation correct, but I, that's. Aye. Yeah. What is it? It's the Signal Aduna Park. Aduna park Signal Aduna Park. Yeah, so it I would have, have just mumbled the first two lines and then just went park at the end and hope nobody noticed.
4: <laughs> it would have been good if you've uh, got to go and play over there, eh? but it is what it is. I mean, you'd rather have them at Easter Road than away anyway. Uh, that's the I main think,
1: thing. I think they're probably a, a wee bit buzzing as well because they've probably heard a wee bit about us that we probably bring the most fans out of all the teams that probably could have drawn. Mm-hmm. And they get, obviously, to play Easter Road, come, come to Scotland play Easter Road. And obviously, they've probably seen we've beat Mould, we've beat, we've beat Nons, and they're probably like, right, this is it's not going to be easy. And they've probably seen the videos, all the fans as well. So they're probably like, "This is this is not going to be easy." You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. No, I think um, Hibbs tweeted about it uh, earlier on, saying that it's on the seventh of February. So have a look out for tickets if you're if you're listening. I mean, we'll all certainly be there again. Um, I'm 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 really looking forward to it. Anyway, and I I'm sure you as well beat them. But last from me, I want to talk about Danny McGregor. Big gorgeous Darren, um, but <laughs> apart from his uh, his lovely hair and his beard, I want to know what his influence was like for you. Given that he's played in Europe for Hibs as well, what kind of words of advice, what kind of words of wisdom did he give you um, before you know you you stepped out onto onto the Mould pitch and then back at Easter Road and away at Notts? I think it's
2: just for the. I think he just hammered from the fact that you're not going to get this chance again and when we're sitting in that changing room at Nantes uh, like when it's 1-1 when you've got 45 minutes left I think he just pretty much basically just said you'll not get this chance ever again and I think that's all we really needed to hear because the feeling you get when you come into the changing room after beating these teams that on paper you probably really shouldn't be it's just the best thing ever and you just don't want it to stop so I think I just and even even when we're just doing pre-match pre-game meetings maybe three or four days before he'll say something after and then we'll all go back into the change room ready wanting to play a game because he's said something that's just got us up for it it's weird mm-hmm. I thought I think only really do that but uh, he's just been a really good help and obviously because he still plays a really good player and me, like us probably to a striker playing against them, it's you just learn He'll he'll do the he'll have a few dark arts up his sleeve, and you'll just have to you'll have to like deal with it, and you'll have to learn from it and use it next time to deal with. It. But I he's just been a really good help, and I think for him and for us, it's been like a really good thing.
4: Yeah, Josh, what kind of what kind of things has he brought to you know the coaching side for for your team since he's
1: joined? just it's much more experience We've just we've got so much experience in our coaches as in obviously we've got gareth steve and now daz the experience across the table is just it's more you can probably ask for but as as Ethan said on daz like some of the some of the inspirational speeches he says you'd honestly you'd want to kill you'd, you'd want to kill for him you know what i mean you'd want to go and just you're complete up for it like some some of the things he says you're like wow like he did, he, he he must do this for a living, but he, do, he doesn't. He plays football, um, but he's just uh, he gives me and Ethan obviously tips as in because obviously he's a, he's a centre back as well, um, and he's played at played at the highest level in the SPFL, Rangers, Hibs, Europe, and it's just such a help and obviously a top class coach as well, for
4: sure. So. Moving on from coaches, I think uh, Mark's got a few questions about your teammates if you want to take it away, Mark. I've been waiting for i I've been waiting for this, boys. I've been waiting. <laughs> Best part's
5: coming up. Um I'm just gonna I'm conscious of time, I'm not gonna keep this for much longer, lads, but I just wanted to touch on teammates. Um obviously the viewers want to get to know you two, but they want to get to know the teammates as well. Before I go into that, I want to touch on a, a former teammate. Um we talked a wee bit about your um league winning campaign and Connor Young helped himself to 25 goals and Josh you and him formed one of the best and certainly one of the most talked about partnerships in the division talk to me what was your immediate reaction when you heard that he's, he'd got his move to Rangers how were you what was your immediate feeling and reaction to that?
1: I was completely shocked uh, honestly it came out of the blue no one knew Ethan will say the same no one knew it was just click bang Connors at Rangers we were like Wow, um, it was just just a big shock, you know what I mean. After getting into Europe, we've obviously uh, we we never got told who we were playing at the time, but we had Europe at Hibs and we're just
4: like,
1: wow, it's like all right, mm. you know what I mean. You couldn't really do much, but uh, it's just a big shock. Obviously, yeah. I love the big guy. you Still speak to him, yeah. Um, but I uh, just a shock.
5: Do you have a wee bit of banter now about that?
1: Um, well, who me and Connor?
5: Aye, about the yeah. move, and you know, now that you're not any teammates anymore, you're now rivals. Do have a bit of banter about that?
1: Um, I've not yet to play them, to be fair, but I'm sure when we do play each other, we will we <laughs> definitely have a bit. Aye.
5: And even obviously losing such a big part of your league-winning team, um, did anything change in the preparation of the new season? Josh just said that it was a big shock, it was a big surprise. Did anything change in your preparation to Europe or or the league campaign or anything like that in terms of tactics, style? Or was it very much just we go again?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there was too much difference because obviously, I mean, in the eighteens season, I was kind of getting played as a like ten behind Josh and Connor, so it was meaning we uh, Malik couldn't really who joined couldn't really get a game of until this season where I could play up front, which is my like favoured position. But so it kind of it was kind of like a seamless transition really where malik came in and played as a 10 i went and pushed played up front and then a few younger boys stepped in first like big mac Weir, who was who left in the summer and stuff like that so there wasn't too much difference everybody knew everyone everybody knew how to play so it was it was i would say it was quite easy Good stuff.
5: Brilliant. I'm just going to move on to current teammates now and I'm just going to ask some uh, quick fire questions to each of you. So, I'll start off with you, Josh. Who's the best dressed in the squad?
1: Best dressed? It's a tough one because there's, there's a couple <laughs> of shockers out there. like <laughs> this, in, in the changing room, because we've got the devs called changing room. Uh, best dressed... I'll give it to Big Jack (laughs) Bryden.
5: Well, you've maybe got the
2: easier one here. Who's the worst dressed? Murray Johnson.
1: There's two. There's two.
2: Murray Johnson and his Reeboks.
5: (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Right, Josh, who's the worst trainer?
1: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um... The worst trainer. So that's actually quite a tough one because there's a couple to be fair. Uh, worst. I'm just gonna say because he annoys me all the time. Emmanuel Johnston, EJ.
5: Who's the best, Ethan?
1: Who's the best trainer? I don't
3: know. Notice he's no jumping out and saying himself, <laughs> Ethan,
1: there's always one, mate.
2: Always one. Yeah, mate. I'd i probably give it to Imalik. E.
1: Aye, that's what that. 100%. Just, just, like he
2: he lives he lives just for small sided things.
1: Can he touch him? Unbelievable. Can he yeah. touch
2: him? That, that's his five aside five. Aside. That's. I agree. to play.
5: Perfect. Now. Who would you say, Josh, is the biggest teacher's pet in the squad?
1: Biggest teacher's pet? In terms pet. Of
5: the, the coaching staff and obviously Steve Keane and all that.
1: Uh, probably Murray Johnston. <laughs> Any
5: examples of how he's a teacher's pet? What's he get up to?
1: He just goes about everywhere chatting to everyone. He's always in front somebody's office. Always. <laughs> if it's not having biscuits, if it's not having a cup of tea a cup of tea, he's always he's always doing something.
5: Brilliant. And if there is one, he's in, who's the biggest rebel in the squad? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe myself.
1: <laughs>
5: uh, I, I, I tell you what, I could I could have answered that for you.
2: Maybe myself.
5: <laughs> right, Ethan. Who is who gets nutmegged the most in training?
2: Gets nutmegged the most. I don't know. I don't, I, are
5: you I saying probably, none of yours because you're that good? I,
2: I'd probably say one of the defenders. <laughs> maybe give maybe give it to Jack Bryden, maybe. And Josh, who does the most
5: nutmeg in?
1: Who does the most nutmeg in? I'd say uh, Romy Hamilton and Murray Akin.
5: Hi. Right, I'll open the next couple, the last couple up to you both. both. Um, who would you say is the most likely to become a manager in the future? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: there's There's a pair. There's a pair, I would say. I would say as a gaffer, uh, Jack Bryden, then ass- his assistant, Murray Johnston.
5: <laughs> I was going to say, Josh, I thought you would maybe be in there with all your football manager experience. Maybe. Do you know fancy it one day, Not.
1: I'll have to wait and see, yeah.
2: <laughs>
5: what that, about you? Would you say the same if him?
2: I would agree, but their style of football would maybe be the one I would want to pay to off. <laughs> I wouldn't want to pay to watch what well, whatever the the stuff that they talk about anyway.
4: <laughs> oh duh. <God. laughs> if you finally
5: get the heart's job one day then, eh, that'll sit there still play. Uh, and my last question, again, I'll open it up to you both of you is who's the hard man? Who's the hardest in the team?
1: Mr. Canaillo Megua. Uh, I'd say Kanayo too.
5: There you go, he's the one to watch then. We'll need to watch him against Borussia Dortmund. Cigars <laughs> and Sliggers out every
1: game, eh? Cigar out uh, every, every game. game.
2: I
4: we're all big fans of Meg, were well, aren't we, we we're the, the supporters club we're gonna get a flag made up for the game i love
2: it
4: what a guy
0: cheers right, appreciate it. um we'll wrap up there listen josh ethan uh, thanks very much for your time tonight It's greatly appreciated uh thanks again to to gav ritu at Hibs for for setting this up i think on behalf of all the boys like we said we'll be there uh, I'll probably stay away for the Block Seven boys because <laughs> I sat beside them at the nonce game and my ears were still ringing a couple of days after it. I'm getting I'm getting too old for that nonsense. So uh, no, we'll be there. Um, we'll tweet out details. Obviously, get your tickets go along and support the boys. Get a bigger crowd there. Get them through because I think have got. I think the next round is where you could get like the Liverpool, Ajax, aye, they type of teams, eh? So. Just keep this run going boys, you're doing well You've done incredibly well last season Um, And for all of us at the Ramble We wish you both And your teammates all the best for the rest of the season Appreciate Cheers, it.
1: thank you very much Cheers boys Cheers. Cheers, Cheers guys.
0: Thanks for listening everybody uh, If yes. you can just um subscribe YouTube, Apple Podcasts etc um, And we'll be back to you very very soon <clears throat> Thanks for listening Cheers, Cheers